So question for you, and let me just say before I actually get into the message today that when I wrote this message a few weeks ago, I was planning on it being heavily interactive. And so here's the deal, our small crowd here, I need you in on this, and I want you at home on your couch or wherever you are to speak right back too, all right? And so you're in on this as well. Our camera guy is nodding, and so I think that means the internet just got that message. Thank you, Mike. Beautiful. And so let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like your faith hinges on whether or not God answered your most recent prayer like it's answered it's good right it's answered we're we're close to God we're close to Jesus and all is well right but if it didn't get answered then we're feeling a bit disappointed it's incredible how easily we become disappointed when my wife and I were just 23 years old we were always spending time with our nephew Noah he was just like the guy to go hang out with he's in his 20s now but back in the day and when he was maybe two years old, we would just take him and we'd kind of kidnap him and take him out for meals and we'd take him different places and we just loved hanging out with him. One time we were taking him to McDonald's and we're driving with little two-year-old Noah in the back and as we're driving, we just hear this voice come from the back seat. You're going the wrong direction. It didn't sound that demented. But, uh, but I, I was like, Noah, calm down, dude. Like two 23-year-olds here, right? Two-year-old in the back. Like we got this. We know what we're doing, you know? Um, as we, keep, we continue driving, Kelly eventually looks at me and says, he's actually right. We're going the wrong direction. And so we turned around, smart kid. Another time we wanted to go spend some time with him, we showed up at the house and um, his mom says, you know, he's taking a nap, but why don't you guys go wake him up? Like, how cool would that be? He'll be shocked to see you guys. He'll be so excited. And so we went up and and we were just expecting him to be so pumped right away. And so we're kind of like tapping him on the shoulder. We're waking up a bit. And then eventually he just sort of like looks at us, opens one eye, closes it, didn't really want to have anything to do with us. And so we're like, all right, this is going to be great because we have a surprise for Noah. And so Kelly kind of says, buddy, buddy, we brought you something. We brought you a surprise. And she pulls out a bottle of bubbles and she kind of holds it up and, and Noah looks at it at first and then is face just droops and he rolls his eyes and he pulls the covers over because he was extremely disappointed and it didn't even have a cool fork attachment which I don't know why bubbles need a fork attachment but but there it is so easy to get disappointed sometimes guys my question for you today has life ever handed you a bottle of bubbles right has life ever just said here here I know what your expectations were but here's what I got for you you know it's so easy to become disappointed and as we've been talking about these last several weeks disappointment has some relatives right disappointment leads to things like discouragement and depression and despair. And today I want to even throw in there fear. I think that's even a relative as well as we're going through all that we're going through in the world right now. And this virus is scaring so many people. We have all these kind of disappointing, scary things happen. And I want to let you know that if you are wrestling today with some disappointment in God, and maybe you're even it's related to all we're going through. Maybe you're saying, God, I don't understand because I can't provide for my family right now because of what's going on. I'm a little disappointed in you, God. I'm disappointed that 2020, this was supposed to be the year, and it is falling apart right now, I just want to let you know that if you're wrestling with some of those emotions right now, you're in good company. In fact, as we've been saying here in the scriptures, we find that like Bible hero after Bible hero wrestles with the same disappointment, discouragement, and despair that you and I wrestle with. In fact, we've been looking at the book of Romans throughout this series, and one of the things that Paul wrote in the Corinthians was 
directly related to this because this guy knew hardship and disappointment like nobody else. This guy understood pain. This guy understood it. He had had people against him. He had the weight of the churches on him. He had been beaten. He had been shipwrecked. He had been in prison. And so this guy got it. And would you guys just read with me what he wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1? He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. So guys, if you are feeling disappointed or despairing today, the Apostle Paul gets it. Like one of our Bible heroes, one of the guys who transformed the world is right there with you when it comes to knowing what it feels like to feel despair. And so what do we do when we feel disappointed? What do we do when we feel afraid? What do we do when everything feels like it's falling apart around us? Well, as I've been saying, one of the things we don't do is we don't lower our expectation of God, right? We don't decide God isn't still big. We don't decide he's not on the throne anymore. We don't decide that he doesn't want to hear our prayers. We still lean in. One of our themes this year as a church, bold in asking, and we want to remain that way, right? Stay bold in our asking, and so we don't decide God doesn't do these things anymore, that he doesn't still save and heal and rescue. No, we keep leaning in for that. And one of the the heart of this series really is to say, instead, what we want to do is learn to say, yes, I'm disappointed, but, right? Yes, I'm disappointed, but this. Yes, I'm disappointed, but that. And here's where I need some help, okay? I don't want us just to remind ourselves where we've been. And so let's just remember and celebrate and even speak out loud where we've been in the last few weeks. And so week one, we looked at this. I need you to repeat it after me. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. Would you say that with me? Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. And then last week, we talked about this truth. Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Would you say that with me? Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Isn't it incredible that the week before it feels like the world fell apart, that's what we looked at. God works all things for good. And some of you guys, I hope you still have your piece of carpet with you. We gave these out last week to remind you guys that God works all of it for good, like everything. And just like if my little daughter Bryn can take a catastrophe with a fashion carpet issue and turn it into good, how much more can God take the bad situations in our life and turn them into good? It was really funny because I was walking through the community this week and I actually ran into somebody I didn't expect to see somewhere, someone that was at our service last week, and we didn't say anything to each other. She just was walking by, we were passing each other in the hallway, she just took her carpet out and nodded, and I was like, I got you, I got you, right? <laughs> like, what a beautiful moment, like, I'm in on this, all things for good, right? And so I don't remember, just remind you, that's where we've been, and now we want to continue to dive into some more. We want to continue to dive into some more of the the wrestling that we do with our disappointment and our despair. And so let me kind of throw a few things at you that I bet you can relate to. See, disappointment does a few things to us. I think one of the things our disappointment does to us, it makes us wonder if God is against us, right? It makes us just kind of wonder, like, if I'm going through this pain, If we're going through all this fear around the world right now, if I'm going through this disappointment that this didn't happen in my time frame, then maybe does that mean that God is against me? Sometimes our disappointment makes us believe that God isn't for us. And you might say, wait, Doug, didn't we just talk about that? No, no, no. See, it's different, right? It's different to not be against something or be for something. I'll give you an example. Golf. I, uh, I would never be found on the sideline of a golf match holding a sign that says, I hate golf. Like, I will not hold up signs that say, golf is ruining our world. Golf caused mosquitoes, the coronavirus, and the series finale of Lost. Like, that's not what I'm about, okay? 
but I also will never be found on the side of a golf match doing anything, okay? Because I want nothing to do with it. I won't be there. So I'm not against it, but I'm not for it, which means this. I am indifferent. Can I ask you a question? Has your disappointment in God ever made you feel like he's just indifferent about your pain and suffering? That's where we find ourselves sometimes, right? That's where we find ourselves just wondering if he just simply doesn't care. Another thing our disappointments do is they make us feel like God isn't giving us the things we need, you know? Like, I needed this from you, God. I needed the relationship. I needed the finances. I needed the health. I needed you in this moment, in this time. And it felt like you just didn't give me what I needed. And I just wonder sometimes if you and I, because of all the things we are not seeing, we are missing all the things God has done for us. And that's the heart of this series, that we would lean into what he has done, that we cling into what he has given to us, that we would cling to what he is to us. Because the truth is, when you and I begin to question and our disappointment and pain comes in and says, God, are you against me? Are you for me? God, are, are you indifferent? God, are you even going to give me the things that I need? When we begin to question those things, here's what happens. Our faith begins to hinge on whether or not he answered our most recent prayer request. And suddenly God's not good every day. He's just good on the days he did what I wanted him to do, right? We've got to get past our disappointment. We've got to get past our despair. And today I want us to learn that our faith does not hinge on whether or not God answered our most recent prayer request. You see, here's the deal. Our faith hinges on an event, right? And this event that took place changes everything. And so in the midst of our disappointment and despair, we can cling to the event. We can cling to this thing that already happened, and it changes absolutely everything in our life. Guys, here's the deal. We're going to gather around an event today, and this event obliterates disappointment. The event we're going to talk about today obliterates despair and discouragement and even fear. And so today, I want us to lean in on this big time. If you're not a follower of Jesus, man, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for maybe stopping by for a minute as you're scrolling through everything else and looking at all the other options. I want to thank you today for just taking a minute to hang out with us because the deal is I want you to see the beautiful, beautiful thing, this amazing event that transforms everybody's life as they lean into it. And so I hope you'll, you'll spend some time with us today. But guys, this is the heart of this series. It's funny that we only got a few of us gathered today because this is the heart of the series. There were several months ago, I'm praying about, like, what do we do next? Where do we go next in this, in this you know, sermon, sermon direction for the year? And I just felt like today's message is the heart of this series. It was all built around this. And so today, I really hope you guys, man, you'll lean in with me big time in Romans 8. We're going to reread two verses from last week because it really leads us into where we are this week. So let's read Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Remember, guys, that's where we landed last week before the coronavirus made the world go crazy, right? That all things work for good. And it goes on, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So wait, why do we need to look back at that? Because look at how it leads into the next part. He says in Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? In other words, Paul's trying to get a response, right? 
Like as I'm preaching today, I'm telling you, I need you to interact with me. So I'm looking for you to respond sometimes to the things that I might say. And Paul's looking for a response to the things that he wrote. And so he's saying, okay, God works all things for good. Okay, God is setting us apart and has set us apart and has saved us. And now we are becoming more and more like Jesus. So what do we say in response to all this? And then he says this, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Like if God's for you, then, then who are you worried about right now that's against you? What are you worried about right now that's against you? Now, hang on. This was the guy who was beaten, right, that said this? This is the guy who was despairing of life itself for a little while. This is the guy who was arrested. This is the guy who was threatened. How is he able to say that if, if God's for us, who can be against us? How is he able to not be stuck in disappointment and despair and fear. What does Paul have his eyes on? What's he clinging to that protects him from disappointment taking over his life? Guys, think about it. This guy had so much going against him. He had a boatload of people against him. And I mean that very literally. There were a load of people once on a boat that were completely against him. He had whole cities against him. He had governors and rulers against him. And so how does he keep his eyes on this truth. How can you say if God is for me, then who can be against me? Well, before we get there, but I, I need you to see something. Before we get to the answer, I need you to know something. We just had our first three questions answered. God, are you against me? God, are you for me? God, are you indifferent? But we just heard, if God is for you, who can be against you? God is for you. So answer the first three questions. We have it, right? I need you guys to repeat after me. God is not against me. Go for it. Join us at home, join us at home, people, all right? Yes, God is for us. Yes, God is for us. No, he is not indifferent. No, he is not indifferent. How do we know? How do we know? Well, Paul was convinced that an event had already taken place that proved to him that God was for us. If you're watching online and you're thinking to myself, yeah, but Doug, you don't know my story. You don't know all the pain I've been through. There's no way God is for me. How can I look at all the circumstances in my life and think God is for me? There's an event we have to look back to. And this is it. This is what we have to grab a hold of. This is what we have to learn more than anything else to say, yes, I'm disappointed, but this, right? Yes, I'm despairing, but this. Yes, I'm depressed, but this. Yes, I'm afraid, but this. Here it is. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. This is the heart of the series. God didn't spare his son, but he gave him up for you, right? I, I'm so depressed. I'm so despairing. I'm so disappointed in you, God. Why didn't you do what I wanted? Why didn't you come through? Wait, wait, wait. But... God didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for you. This is the proof that God is not against you. Guys, in the ancient culture, the son had a special place in the heart of the father. Not that he doesn't today. I love my boys. I'm very grateful for him. But there was this special thing. It was huge to be the son and even the firstborn son for both the Jew and the Egyptian. Think about it. Remember when God was sending the plagues to set the people free? What was it that finally broke Pharaoh? It's when he lost the firstborn son, right? Think about how there are special rights and responsibility. All right, I need you guys to say a word with me that you're not going to normally, but you've, you've never said this in your life before, okay? Here's the word, primogeniture. Go ahead, primogeniture. You guys got that? Okay, what is that? That was this whole idea of the rights of the firstborn son. The firstborn son had a responsibility. In fact, originally, the firstborn son in the Jewish family was to serve as a priest 
in the temple, God called Israel his son, his firstborn, right? So this son thing is like a huge, huge deal. And here is God not taking the son of another to try to rescue you and me. Here is God sending his son as the ultimate priest or the mediator between God and man. Here is God sending his only son. Do you need proof that God is not against you? Guys, I know life is hard. I know we all wish we weren't under the fear of this climate that's all around us. You can feel it. Like you're walking through the store, you feel the fear around you. We we all wish we weren't in this. Some of you guys are like, Doug, I don't care about this virus thing. My life was a mess before, right? (laughs) Like the corona is distracting me a little, you know? It's like, (laughs) do you need proof that God loves you? That he's not against you, that he's for you. He did not spare his son. How does this play into my disappointment, though? Well, how about this? Yes, I'm disappointed, but God gave his son up for me. Yes, I'm disappointed, but Jesus died in my place. Yes, I'm despairing and fearful, but I am not going to stay there long. Because even though I don't have the relationship anymore, I don't have the finances I wish I had, this thing is a mess. I don't know what's going to happen with my semester. I don't know what's going to happen with my schooling. Everything just feels scary. My job, my family, how long are my kids going to be home? I don't know. But I do know this. There was an event that took place. And that event is going to pull me out of disappointment and despair every single time. Because God gave his son for me. Now look at this. Some of you guys are are going, okay, great. There's the nice churchy pastor answer. But I want to encourage you, this works right down to the day-to-day in your life. Let's finish the verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Listen, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Everybody say all things. things. Everybody say all things. things. Okay, so now your mind just went somewhere. When, when I said all things and you repeated me, your mind just went somewhere. You're thinking, you're saying, okay, so that means God is giving me all things. So, you know, that, that's what this looks like. Like when I leave here today, I'll go home to my mansion, right? And I'll have my personal chef make me some caviar and truffles. And I'm going to go down the water slide on my back and it lands in the lagoon. And then the helicopter picks me up, takes me out to the Hamptons for my personal morning shave, right? Even though it's afternoon somehow, I don't know. That's not my life, right? That's not my life. You guys know that's not my life because you know I don't even like caviar and truffles because I have the <laughs> apparent taste buds of a nine-year-old child, right? I like Dr. Pepper and Twizzlers and chicken nuggets, right? That's my, that's my diet. So you knew that story wasn't true right there, right? Well, wait a minute. Well, Paul is not talking about those all things, right? Well, what's Paul talking about? He's talking about all the things you need for life and salvation, right? That he's going to give you all the things you need for life and salvation. And so he's saying, if God did the big thing of giving his son, how is he not also, along with him, going to graciously give you everything you need, right? He did the big thing. He could pull off the small thing, right? Like, just think about this for a minute. Imagine going up to LeBron James after he did like a 360 through the legs behind the back dunk, saying, hey man, you ever made a layup, right? Like, no, he, he did the big thing. He could do the little thing, right? Imagine going up to Aaron Judge or Pete Alonzo and saying, hey, man, uh, have you ever hit a single before? Like, you know what that's like? Like, oh, no, no, they hit like 100 and something combined home runs in a single season. They can do the single, right? Imagine going up to Rachel Ray or Bobby Flay and saying, hey, you ever made a grilled cheese? Like, like, no, they, they got the big stuff, right? They can do the little stuff. And this is like you and I in a moment of fear, 
and in a moment of disappointment, in a moment of despair, to, God, where are you? Where, where are you? And Paul's just reminding us, he did the excruciating thing of putting his son on the cross. He's going to take care of the day-to-day. He's going to take care of the day-to-day. You see, I think what we forget is that God knows what we need more than we know what we need, right? Because we often say, well, all right, again, it feels a little churchy, Doug. Well, we're like kind of in church, just so you know, but, but we are, you're not. But, but I feel sort of like that's the spiritual answer I need, but, but I, just, I, I still feel like I should have had this, right? I still feel like I, God should have given me that, but he, he didn't give me that thing. Let God decide what you need, right? Like I was talking with a good friend recently, and he said, you know, about 10 years ago, I had all these dreams and aspirations, and I look back and I realize, well, that was just like a ton of foolishness, you know? And I think we could all say that, that there are times that we believe something, we want something, we dream something, and, and what we actually need is a completely different thing. God's going to give you everything you need, because that's where disappointment comes in when we think we didn't get what we so badly needed. No, God's giving you everything you need for life and salvation. Matthew 6 Jesus tells his listeners, hey, you guys are worried about all kinds of crazy stuff, man. You're worried about this and that. But I just want to remind you that the bird flying up in the sky today, it has no place to save up food. It has no ability to store away for months and months and months in advance. But, man, I'm going to take care of that thing. And how much more valuable, church, right? How much more valuable are you than the bird? And so Jesus says, I know what you need, and I'm going to take care of you. So can I just encourage you guys? And look, I know we're living in some scary times. People are ready to take each other out of BJs, you know. But listen to me. God's going to take care of your need. And I want you to know, too, we as a church are here to take care of needs. Like, we are here. We've been giving groceries out. We will continue to give groceries out. If you are in need, and you need help, and you need some paper towels, you need some pasta, you need some mac and cheese, like, we are here, okay? We want to be that for you and for the surrounding community. So please let us be that. But please hear me. The day-to-day stuff that we're all disappointed in, the day-to-day stuff that we're afraid of right now, listen to me, is the small stuff. Everybody say small stuff. stuff. The day-to-day is the small stuff. Your greatest need is spiritual. Everybody say that. Your greatest need is spiritual. Your greatest need I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but your greatest need isn't that the mortgage gets paid. It's not that the student loan gets paid off. It's not that the coronavirus goes away. That's not your greatest need. I hope all those things happen for everybody. But your greatest need is spiritual. And this is why we have to lean in to the event, right? This is why we have to lean in to Jesus on a cross, given for us, okay? Because at the end of the day, that obliterates disappointment, discouragement depression, despair, and fear. Like if your mortgage gets paid, that's great. Your student loan gets paid off, wonderful. But that's not the stuff that obliterates disappointment. It's when you lean into this event that changed the world. He goes on. He says, who will bring any charges against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Paul's going, okay, here I am. This event took place and now I'm God's. Who's going to bring a charge against me? Does anybody here ever watch Judge Judy? Be honest. Come on. We've all watched Judge Judy, right? She's a psycho. Anyway, don't stream that part. All right. Judge Judy's nuts, right? But, but, but in the courtroom, 
You got a defendant and a plaintiff, right? You got somebody arguing a case and somebody trying to defend themselves, right? And what happened one day in the quickest Judge Judy case of all time was the person came in and said, oh, I want to accuse these people to my left. Here's what they did. They stole from me earbuds and a computer and a GPS. And within a half second of her saying it, the guys over here on the other side said, oh, no, ma'am, there was no GPS in there. <laughs> Gee, I wonder, if, I wonder if they did it, right? Like Judge Judy literally within 30 seconds of the people standing up went, guilty, guilty, take them away, right? <laughs> like so clear. Guys, I got to tell you, God could look at every single one of you and I and say, guilty, guilty, take them away. But Paul is telling us because of the event that there are no charges against those whom God has chosen. He has wiped them away. So, yes, the coronavirus stinks. And yes, I hope our mortgages and our school bills get paid off. And yes, life disappoints. But guys, I'm forgiven, right? Everybody say, life disappoints, but I'm forgiven. No one can bring a charge against me. It goes on. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one. Right? I mean, you think about walking into the courtroom and the judge is there and they're ready to bring the charges and they're ready to go ahead and speak against. But this here says, nobody can condemn. Now listen to me for a second. Can I ask you something? Who is the person that condemns you the most? right? You. Isn't it interesting that we spend so much time being disappointed in God, but we so often are really disappointed in ourselves. We're disappointed in our own failures. We're disappointed in our own mistakes. We're disappointed in the decisions that we made. What was I thinking senior, senior year on, on that break? What was I thinking midlife crisis? Those things. I'm rolling around in the regret of those things, and here is Paul telling us that there's no one to bring condemnation. And so life disappoints, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? It goes on. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're watching today and you're like, man, this all sounds cool, but how do I know that this is all real? Like, how do I know that this is actually going to do anything for me? Is this like every other religion where I have to figure out how to get myself pure and holy and right? Like, like you know, all these other Different ideologies out there and religions say you got to be this or you got to do that. Like, is this what I got to do? Well, well, look at the power this has for you today. He says this, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I need you to hear this. Jesus, God in the flesh, died for you. Why? Because of our sin, because of the things that we had done that were wrong, because we could never make ourselves right. And while that's great news that someone would love us enough to die for us, isn't it also true that somebody dying for you doesn't necessarily mean there's any power to it, right? Like somebody just giving their life for you, while very loving, what's it actually going to do for you when you stand before God one day? And that's why Paul says, Jesus who died, but more than that, who was raised to life, he beat death and hell. When we put our trust in him, we get in on that. Suddenly we have this power that overcomes the things we're most scared of. Suddenly we have this power alive and at work in us, the Holy Spirit in us saying, hey, not only did Jesus love you enough to die for you, but he beat it all. And he loves you. And he wants you to walk with him. And he wants you to know, no matter what you've done or will do, he loves you like crazy. And he wants to continue to walk through life with you 
until you see him face to face one day because of his sacrifice on the cross. And not only is that the best news in the whole world, it's also what gets us out and obliterates disappointment and despair and fear. You see, this is what our faith hinges on. Remember that question I asked you in the very beginning? This is what our faith hinges on. Listen to me. Our faith doesn't hinge on whether or not God answered our most recent prayer. Our faith hinges on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's say that together. Say this with me. My faith does not hinge on whether or not God answered my most recent prayer request. My faith hinges on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to cling to. You see, what I need you to memorize, what I need you to speak, what I need you to get in your heart, what I need you to hang to, because like I said, this was the heart of the whole series. This is why we're doing this series. This is what it's all built around, is this thought here today. And so I want you guys to write this down. If you're at home, write it down, type it down, get it in your heart, get it in your head. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. That is it, guys. That is it. I mean, it's amazing news. We're going to heaven. Praise God for that. It's amazing news that God works all things for good like we talked about next week. Or last week, next week, we're going to head somewhere else, take it a step further. But man, this is it. This is what changes it all. When you and I began to learn to say, yes, life disappoints, man. Yes, my heart is broken. Yes, it is so hard. But Jesus died and he rose back from the dead. He didn't just die. It wasn't just this loving gesture. It was this gesture of love and power and authority to overcome all that would separate me from God. Everybody say, life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. Go for it. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. And so... Sometimes bringing it back to like what we actually deserve is really important. You know, like the truth and the reality that you and I deserve hell, but we're going to heaven is just mind-blowing, right? I mean, what else can we cling to that has some muscle behind it like our salvation does? What else can we cling to but to think about the fact that, that hell was our our destination, but Jesus came in and said, no, I'm taking you. You're mine now. I'm going to take you captive as my own. I'm going to rescue you, and you're going to be my son or daughter. And I'm going to live this life with you. I'm going to walk with you, and you're going to be with me in eternity. While you're walking this world, Jesus said it himself. We're going to have trouble, but he said, I've overcome this world, right? And so we can lean into that. So what do we do? How do we, how do we work this out? Like, what's this going to look like in our week? Well, here's the deal, guys. We have to let this soften our hard hearts. Because the truth is, the disappointment and the despair in our hearts has kind of maybe pushed God away a bit more than we sometimes realize. I was on a youth retreat when I was a kid. I was probably 14 years old. And one of my youth leaders, his name was Steve Lee, a hysterical guy, one of my good friends. And Steve was the leader in our room. And I woke up about 4 a.m. in the middle of the night one night, and I hear a hairdryer going. I'm like, what's going on? Well, it was the 80s, so obviously everybody's got hair dryers going all the time. All the dudes are blowing drying their hair out in the 80s. But that's what happened here probably. But, but he's got a hair dryer going, and I'm like, what is happening? And then I realized that he was hot, and we're all crammed in this, you know, this room. There's probably like six of us youth group kids, and then our leader, Steve. And, and he had gone leaning over me. My bed was under the window. He's leaning over me trying to open the window, and it had been frozen shut. It was that cold outside 
that the ice and the frost shut the window. So he is thawing the window with the hairdryer so he can open it. And he didn't think this was going to bother me while I'm sleeping at 4 in the morning, right? But guys, here's the deal. Sometimes we've just got to take the truth that we just learned today, right? For some of us, we learned it. For some of us, we were reminded we take the truth. And man, we've got to, we've got to allow that to melt the frost over our hearts, melt the hardness of our heart. And say, man, I've just been so disappointed with you, God, for so long. And maybe I found out today, I'm actually disappointed with me for so long, but I was blaming you, right? But today, God, I'm going to say, take this disappointment. God, take this disappointment. God, let the truth of a broken and bloody and beaten Savior hanging on a cross and then placed in a grave and then raised back out of that grave, let that melt the disappointments of my hard heart. If you've already got a soft heart toward God, just keep clinging to this. And when the stuff happens and when things come and when difficulties end up showing their face, you just keep clinging to this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. When you find yourself asking God, are you against me? Are you for me? Are you indifferent? Are you going to give me the things that I need? We look back to the event. The event that proves he is for us. He is not against us. He is not indifferent. He will give us all that we need for life and salvation. Let me just give you a couple examples of how this has worked in my life recently. And then we're going to pray and get our team back up here to lead you guys in some worship. So there's been disappointments in my life. Of course, just like yours, right? How long this has taken. How that turned out. Why not this yet? Why do we lose these people that we love that we were praying for and asking God to heal and sometimes you just, you just you get disappointed. You get so discouraged. You become overwhelmed. It's just, it's just those two words for me. It's just, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus, right? Why is this taking so long? I don't know, man. It's really disappointing, but Jesus, right? Why is this hurt so much? I don't know, but Jesus. Why did we lose those people? I don't know, but they're in Jesus' arms right now, right? I don't know why life is so hard, but I do know that a Savior, there was this event, he came and he died and he rose back from the dead, and that's going to soften my hard heart. If you're watching online and you're like, yeah, but I don't know if that actually happened, Doug. Like, I don't know if this Savior actually came. I mean, you're talking about this event. You're putting all your eggs in that basket of this event when Jesus came and rose back from the dead. How do I know that happened? Thank you for asking. Here's the deal. You're probably pretty close to being able to click right to our website, right? Livingwordli.org or on our app. There is a series we did called Evidence, and I want to encourage you guys, check out that series. It's a 10-part series we did about 10, 12 years ago, talking why we believe in what we believe. And if you're like, I don't have like 10 hours to go through that, there's an Evidence in One. It's called the Evidence in One Message. It's on the app. It's also on our website. There's sections dedicated to this on both. Please check them out, or better than that, reach out to me, because I struggled for years if this event was real or not, and I'm convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus is alive today, that he did put himself on a cross in our place and rise back to save you and me. And so we can keep on leaning back into this event. Recently, I was kind of having an emo moment, and I was feeling sorry for myself, and I was hurt by some things, and I was just frustrated, and I, I made this statement out loud because I, I felt hurt by something, and I just said, I said, they don't even realize how hard I work. And it was like within a half second of saying that, I just felt, and I didn't hear an audible voice or anything, but I just felt like God just prompted my heart. Doug, you don't know how hard I worked to save you, to redeem you. You don't know what it cost me to make you mine. 
There it is again. Life disappoints, but Jesus, right? If I just add but Jesus to anything I'm upset about, it's going to transform my attitude. It's going to transform my situation, right? Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. Man, if that can't obliterate disappointment and despair, there's not one thing that can. That's the hope. That's what we cling to. That's what we fight to because sometimes life hands us a stupid bottle of bubbles. And we're disappointed. But there is a God who has gone to every length to rescue you and me. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. Next week, we're going to close this series out. I really hope it's all of us together here in the room. If it's like this again next week, that's what we're going to go for. We'll let you know. But man, I hope through this series, you are leaning into the stuff that can destroy disappointments hold on your life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you a a chance to pray with us and put your trust in Jesus. The scriptures tell us that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. And you can do that right where you are. I'll give you a few words. There's no magic prayers, but maybe a few words will kind of help you get a conversation with Jesus started. But he loves you. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to be free of disappointment and despair and fear in the world that we're living in right now. Remember, please, we are here for you. If you have a physical need, we are here for you. If you have a spiritual need, we are here for you. Please reach out. But man, let's celebrate today, church. Let's sing this last song from your home or from this room. Celebrate the truth that life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much, God, that you have promised all things for good. You have promised that heaven awaits. But more than that, God, you gave your life to make those things true. Without Jesus' death and resurrection, heaven does not await. Without Jesus' death and, re- death and resurrection, there is no good to come out of every situation. So, God, we are so thankful that that is a reality, an event we can look back to. Thank you, God. Would you help us? If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just pray that God might melt some of the ice off your heart today? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, would you just pray with me right now? You could just say something like this, just quietly, wherever you are. Jesus, thank you so much this event this event God that transforms everything this moment in history God when the son of God got on the cross in my place to rescue me from my sin and then this resurrection this powerful obliterating of death and hell thank you God for this gift of salvation that I'm calling on you for today. Thank you that your word says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, today I call on your name. And God, I ask ask you to show me how to follow you, what it looks like to be close to you. I pray you reveal yourself to me like never before. But I thank you so much for this gift of salvation.